What's happening, y'all? Welcome to Straight Shooting. I'm Matt Basson. He's AJ Riley. Glad to have you back with us. Quick reminder, like, subscribe, wherever you can find us. That'd be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, full episodes on YouTube. AJ, we are set. Final four is set. And somehow through this crazy <laughs> bracket of one's going down, two's going down, 15's getting to the Elite Eight. Oh, we my goodness. With Duke. North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova. It sounds like four yeah. one seeds to me. <laughs> I know. Like I, talk. you know, after that first weekend, I think half of my bracket was gone, um, and probably even actually more than that. Um, and then by the second weekend, I was—I mean, I'm not even totaling points anymore in our bracket pool because all of my teams are gone. Um, <laughs> Sweet 16 killed me. My national championship game, my Arizona Wildcats versus Gonzaga, both got knocked out in the Sweet 16. So that definitely wasn't happening at this point. I was rooting for chaos, rooting for the Peacocks. I was too. I was a little disappointed that reality set in for the, uh, you know. Yeah, for the Peacocks? For the Peacocks, nope. man. I, mean, I was like hoping, ho if they could have pulled that off, that would have been still incredible. Yeah, I mean, hats off. I had a hat at Tibbetts. You're the, the greatest Cinderella of the all greatest. time. Hands yeah, down. I, yeah. This this tops UMBC, who look, they did the unthinkable 16 seed beat a one, but then lost the next round. I, right. I would venture that this 15 beating a two in Kentucky is just as good as a 16 beating that one in Virginia because that right. Virginia offense was anemic and they right. lived off of their defense. But to continue it, you know, you, you took down Murray State, who had won 21 games in a row. Not the hardest of 10 seeds, you know, 7-10 seeds, but still, you're a 15 seed. You're not supposed to beat them. And then you take down Purdue, a three. So you take them out a two and a three, and you make it to a place that no 15 seed has ever been to, no 14 seed, no 13 seed. You are, hands down, the greatest Cinderella. But I feel like it's cheating calling them Cinderella because they're a bunch of men from New York that play <laughs> basketball. And Man, they ain't scared of nobody. They play harder games at practice and in the streets. And it showed absolutely all the way. They weren't scared of North Carolina. North Carolina's just a good team that got hot at the right time right. and took it to them to Sunday. So hats off, though, to the Peacocks of St. Peter's. This You yeah, are the memory run. Of this NCAA tournament. Yeah, great run. Uh, we're sad to see it come to an end, but we do have setting up on Saturday a pretty good Final Four. A pretty doggone good Final Four yep. that will be headlined by an old rivalry. An old rivalry that's never faced off in the NCAA <laughs> tournament ever. You've had so Duke cool. and North Carolina running basketball on and off for 40 years. And they've never met in the NCAA tournament. And what a send-off it's going to be one way or the other for Coach K. Mm -hmm. Right? Of course it happens this year. It has of to. Of course it does. <laughs> it has to. In in the year of a tournament that is built on forced narratives with the MSU playing Dayton, and then, of course, making the seven-seed Michigan State play the two-seed Duke if they both won. Of course you get a perfectly scripted narrative of – the North Carolina Tar Heels taking on the Blue Duke, uh, the Duke Blue Devils in the final four for Coach K's last hurrah. And I know as a just avid Coach K fan, you are just eating 
this up. You're loving it. This is going to be like the greatest moment of your life to see this happen next Saturday. Look, even as a child, before Michigan State and Duke became a thing, because it really became a thing once Izzo took over and they started matching up in the NCAA tournament. And the ACC Big Ten Challenge obviously helped things as well. There was more of a chance of Duke and Michigan State. But Izzo has always been known for scheduling hard games in the regular season. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, whoever. So we got to see a lot of Duke and Michigan State, and I hated Duke for that. I hated Duke my freshman year of college, Arizona versus Duke in the national championship my freshman year. Hated Duke long before that. I have always loved the Carolina Blue. So much more than the Duke blue. I have an Ed Cota jersey hanging up in the rack with a bunch of other jerseys. I've always been a more Carolina fan, even though Michael Jordan went there and I had a rivalry with Michael Jordan. Didn't that didn't didn't matter. Rasheed Wallace went there. I had a bunch of players, Vince Carter, bunch of players. I've always been North Carolina. I've always hated Duke for different reasons, but there's no way not to respect what Mike Shashevsky has done. He's one of the greatest college coaches of all time. He's one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. And to have this happen in his send-off, because it's his final four. It's his final final four, one way or the other, win or lose. This is the last one he's going to. So we already know that. Is it going to be his final national championship game following it up? But for Duke and North Carolina to meet after the way that it ended at Cameron – A hundred former Duke players there to send off their head coach in the final home game, their final game against North Carolina, we thought, and it went UNC's way. So now Duke has a chance for revenge. Both teams really clicking at the right time. We have seen Duke grow up in this NCAA tournament. They grew up against Mm -hmm. Michigan State, really. When Michigan State went up five with a few minutes left, they didn't do what they did against North Carolina because they were in that position against North Carolina and they settled for outside shots and that helped make their downfall happen against Michigan state. They kept attacking and it proved the difference in that game. So you've seen this team grow up. You've seen North Carolina really grow up and get hot. So perfect time for this perfect storm in Mike's final run. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that, that growing up, right. Having is such a quick turnaround too. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time that they lost, I'm you know coaching night. Uh, it really wasn't Coach K night because he's apologizing to the fans after him for a terrible showing. <laughs> Since then, I mean, yeah, that game against Michigan State that Duke played, I was like a little upset because I had Duke advancing, but then at the same time, happy for my friends here that are Michigan State fans. And I was like, you know, Michigan State's they're looking pretty good. They're they're you know they're moving up the ball. Five. They're they're putting the ball in the they're up five with like three to go and Duke struggling. And then all of a sudden it was just like an entire onslaught of mm-hmm. just bucket after bucket after turnover after bucket after, and it was just like, Oh my goodness, okay, all right. Well, yeah. Coach K kind of was not ready to go out in the second round of this tournament, and then nope. Just watch how how I think fast North Carolina plays. Uh, just them against UCLA in the first half, just up and down and up and down. Like mm-hmm. the commentators yeah, the were even saying, that, like they weren't whistling them. They just kept playing. Not at all. I don't think the first whistle blew until. I mean, this is probably hyperbolic, but until that like a, under eleven TV timeout, right? It was mm-hmm. just the commentators even said, "Oh, the whistles do work." Yeah. And I was like, yeah, they do. That was, that was, I was just impressed, very impressed. So to see 
you uh to see UNC kind of get over that hump of UCLA because that was looking like it could get a little sketch for them mm-hmm. there, you know, and then to then meet up with Duke in the final four. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to yeah. be, uh, there's going to be a, a lot riding on it. Clearly a chance to go to the national championship potential to end coach K's career or potential to keep coach K's career going for one more game. Right. This, it's going to be – and the media coverage and the narratives that are going to surround this game, Matt, I cannot even – I'm pretty sure that on Friday I'm just turning off, like, all media and, and TV anyway because I'm just going to be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, th- thank God this is a Final Four matchup and not a national championship because if it was a national championship, all you're getting is Sunday. That's all you're getting for the media coverage of this game. No, we're going to get tonight because you know it's already started, so Sunday night. We're going to get Monday, we're going to get Tuesday, we're going to get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. <laughs> like we've got a week's it's worth going of to be an Duke North Carolina coverage and everyone who's not a Duke North Carolina fan is going to want to blow their brains out, but at least you know it's for the last time involving coach K. But, at oh, least God, for of course time. it's for the yeah. final four so they have a, a week of coverage for this. Oh, yeah, of course. This- but again, forced narrative Right, they couldn't have put them in opposite regions. They had to put them in the same region, so they could potentially get, or not the same region, but the same side of the bracket, so they could potentially get their final four matchup. Because let's be honest, right? Nobody cares about the national championship. It's all about the final four. It's all about the final four. And then the I two mean, teams that win, it's kind of like an afterthought. Like, yeah, go play your game. But the climax. Well, yeah, Saturday. it's a whole experience. And when you have it is when you have this situation where, look, if it's if it's Duke that gets past North Carolina, and now you've got Duke versus Villanova, and it's Jay Wright, or it's Duke versus Kansas, and it's Bill Self, and we've already started talking, or at least the media pundits have, about who is going to pick up the mantle of Coach K. Well, you've got two contenders on the other side of the Final Four that very likely could be that person, especially a Jay Wright narrative has two national championships to his name. Forced narrative. Of course. Look, I mean, also, you know what else we got? We got the Corona commercial happening in real life right now. You know the one where they're arguing about which shade of blue is best on the beach? Oh, yeah. But instead of Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Yukon, we've got Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. They've all got different shades of blue. We've got right. the whole commercial with two different teams. They're all blue bloods. They all came here in different ways. And we're going to get so sick of this <laughs> by the time oh, Saturday God. rolls around. Oh, my goodness. It is going I'm gonna to have be... to do this again with Ryan on throwing stones. <laughs> yep, tomorrow, tomorrow, catch out throwing stones. Uh, yeah, it's gonna uh. be nuts, man. So let's 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 not even continue it. Let's move <laughs> off of it completely. We've let's, already let, added to it. I, I agree. Let's just change sports altogether, AJ. We, yeah, let's do it. We've let's already really, added. I'm talking it. about a round ball. We apologize. Let's for go to an oblong shaped one. Yeah, let's go to that one. All right, so. We've been following, keeping close eye, NFL free agency. There's still a lot of names out there that we're waiting to see where they go. Rob Gronkowski, we're most likely assuming he's going to sign with Tampa Bay and play with Tom Brady. Odell Beckham's still out there, I think, probably because he's hurt. It's probably one of the reasons he has not been picked up immediately. Julio Jones apparently still wants to play football. Antonio Brown apparently still wants to play football. But out of ones that have actually already happened, we're hearing that the Kansas City Chiefs are getting a little bit of running back help in former Buccaneers running back Ronald Jones. 
on what I'm going to call a prove yourself one year, $5 million deal, AJ. Yeah. I mean, it's not sexy. No, it's not even really something that, you know, in a, in a faster, heavier paced sports week, we probably don't even talk about Rojo. Right. Nope. But yeah, he's going to Kansas city. Good for him. Maybe he'll have a chance to, supplant a somewhat disappointing but really good when he's in there Clyde's Edward Hilaire um you know I I don't know I mean hopefully he can hang on to the football because I know he fumbles a ton and that's why he, I mean other than Leonard Fournette being Leonard Fournette he ended up losing right. his job but I just he's a reliable back he I should mean be he's good. 24 you know, yeah. he's had two of two yeah, out of his know. four seasons. He's eclipsed the a thousand yard mark from scrimmage, so he knows he can play in this league. But yeah, once Leonard Fournette came, he was obviously the backup. He only had four hundred and twenty eight yards last year. Only got in the end zone four times. And the Chiefs definitely need running back help. They lost Jarek McKinnon. They lost Daryl Williams. All they've got is Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who impressive rookie season, good rookie season, sophomore year, not so much injury. Definitely played a factor, but. Before both he got here, he wasn't lighting the field on fire. After he came back, wasn't lighting the field on fire. So, you know, CEH has got some stuff to prove as well. I think that's a good thing when both your running backs probably feel like they have something to prove. You know, they're both young. Like, Ronald mm-hmm. Jones is only 24 years old. Doesn't seem right. like he's been in the league for four years already. But both of them having something to prove. The Chiefs definitely need running back help. And, you know, he's on a one-year, prove yourself, $5 million deal. It's a good get for the Chiefs. It's not a giant splash by any means, but I don't know who's left at the running back position that would be a giant splash. You right. need the help. But now it's, you know, we're sitting back in the waiting game of who else is going where? Are the Chiefs going to replace the wide receiver? Are they going to go get Odell? Maybe bring him to Kansas City? Maybe they take that chance on AB? I don't know. I, I It's going to be really interesting to see if anybody does take a chance on AB. At this point in time, for all the all the chances. Now, look, I mean, there's you know two sides to every story. So, you know, with him getting thrown off the field and or quitting on his team, you know, depending on who you listen to and who you believe, I mean, but it just seems like that that man needs like serious help, and I don't say that in a tongue in cheek way. I say that in a sense that since the moment he took that hit from. Was it Ryan Shazier? Oh, no, Bontez Perfect. That's perfect. Ryan Shazier was the one. Was on the, Ryan Shazier was on the Steelers. No, Bontez Perfect. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, Ryan was on the Steelers, but he had a very similar injury that left him. Well, that left him with a spinal injury, yeah. Yeah, spinal injury. But then, yeah, Vontez Perfect. seems like it's been a bit of a brain injury since that hit. There's just yeah. a lot of more outlandish stuff that has happened by and him. All the drama, I mean, signing with the Raiders and then never even playing it down with the Raiders and then the whole, like, frostbite issue on his feet and posting all that to Instagram. I forgot about the frostbite. <laughs> like, in a cold tub or something like that. It was no, like the, the cryo. Cold tub. It was in the, the cryo. Yeah, freezer, the cryo freeze. Know. Yeah. Apparently and it wasn't then, set up right. And then going to New England and being dismissed from New England with, with Tom Brady and then... And, not, and then attacking his so-called friends. I mean, yeah. Tom Brady's been nothing but great to him as far as we've seen in the public, okay? We don't know behind right. the scenes, obviously. But from everything we've seen in the public, Tom Brady in general, pretty great to his wide receivers. 
And for sure, he commended him and, and pointed it out. And then he turned around and attack him and then turn yeah. around and say, never mind. I was wrong and defend him again. And it's like, there's just been so much with this man. Look, he's talented yeah, I, beyond belief. I would but, just, I would prefer he get healthy than he get, you know, between the lines again. I, but Kansas City has been known for giving second chances. I mean, you know, they didn't they sign? Weren't they the ones who signed Josh Gordon? I don't remember seeing him play much, but pretty sure the Chiefs ended up picking him up this last go around after his, you know, umpteenth marijuana suspension. Yeah. You know, but uh, we've seen it with, you know, uh, we've seen it with wide receivers that they've chosen. You know, Tyreek Hill yeah. had a black eye on his name. You know, there was video him looking really abusive. Still ended up sticking sticking around there and getting paid and playing. You know, wide receivers that weren't great. Sammy Watkins was able to kind of come in there and kind of revamp his career a little bit. So yeah, you know, maybe it's a place where A B gets another, another, another second chance. Yeah, but isn't that what we said with New England? Isn't that what we said with Tampa Bay? Yeah, but it keeps All happening. Right. So people keep paying them. So I mean, yeah. if 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 the shtick wants to continue, then and people want to keep signing them, great. But I just don't know, man. I if I was running a team, I don't think I'd come anywhere close. Ab. No, I mean, you know, with who's left? If I was gonna sign, if I was gonna sign drama, I would sign Odell, who's arguably a better. That's what I was gonna receiver, say. You know, who, who, and who, well, who proved that he could prove that he could get his stuff together with the Rams, right? And maybe he yeah. wasn't necessarily the problem in Cleveland. No, Cleveland's the problem in Cleveland. Cleveland's <laughs> always the problem in Cleveland. Cleveland's always the problem in Cleveland. But no, Odell, absolutely, you know, it didn't work. It absolutely didn't work in Cleveland. And as much as he enjoyed playing with his best friend in Jarvis Landry, you know, it just wasn't working there. Was able right. to go to the Rams and prove everybody wrong if they were against him, right if they were hanging with him. And sure. it's a shame that it's a shame what happened. It's a shame in that second quarter of the Super Bowl that he tears his knee because I don't think we're even mentioning his name as hanging out there. If that doesn't happen, I think he quickly resigns with the Rams unless someone comes up with a big contract for him, which would probably be his final big contract at this point in his career. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's a shame that he's still there, but he's going to go somewhere. He's going to get healthy at some point. You probably have him at the tail end of the year, you know, but at some point, some team is going to snatch him up because he's too much of a talent to just let me sitting out there. I mean, if you're the Lions. I don't know if Odell, wa- he already dealt with that in Cleveland. Does he want to come to Detroit and do the same thing? Detroit is not Cleveland. And shame on you for comparing the two. Uh, we got quarterbacks that can't do much. It, no. Listen, in fact, so listen. much so that I wanted them to play against each other and fight for the starting spot in Detroit. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, Detroit is not Cleveland. Okay. Oh, I didn't say it was. Right. But well, have, you said he's already dealt with that in Cleveland. Right. He dealt with a quarterback that is some hype and not much substance, which is exactly what no, I think. That would be the is. case. That would be the case if we signed Baker and made him the starting quarterback. Well, no, as you with Jared Goff. There's a well, whole lot of hype true. there for AJ. Didn't you hear? He took a team to the Super Bowl. Well, he didn't yeah. ride a defense to the Super Bowl. He didn't ride a running game to the Super Bowl. No, he you took call that, that hype. team to the Super okay. Bowl. I, I thought you assumed you meant like hype was like the drama and all. Could you imagine oh, if I we actually hype of his abilities. could you imagine if we actually did make that trade you were talking about and traded for Baker, but had already signed Odell? 
and brought those two back together. <laughs> Must see TV. Get us get us like, hard knocks. I'm telling you, God, HBO like, comes out. Like the worst for our culture, but also at the same time, like you would think Odell would be like, what? layer of Dante's Inferno am I now existing in because now I am in Detroit with the same dog on quarterback that yep. couldn't hit, throw the hit the ball you know fall out of a boat and hit water like I mean goodness gracious that sign me up awful. I'll watch it I, I I don't think I want to to be honest no. with you yeah you have fun hanging out with Captain Checkdown then hey Efficiency, man. Efficiency. <laughs> Look, when you know I dislike somebody when I am defending and propping up Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you to, really don't like Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I don't. I told you that. I literally compared the man I to Johnny Manziel. Can we be real, though? I mean, you have Texas in your blood. Is a little bit of this Oklahoma, Texas, is a little bit of this Red River? I mean, he's no, it's not because – no, I despise the Oklahoma Sooners football program even before I moved to Texas. Mm -hmm. Before I moved to Texas. It's the same reason why I think Kyler Murphy, Murray's an overhyped quarterback. It's the same reason I thought Baker was overhyped coming out of college. Mm -hmm. Don't really believe that either of them necessarily deserved their Heismans, but it is what it is. They're just system guys that that have good fantasy success. That's why everybody likes them, <laughs> but not success that actually matters in the NFL. So. Okay. All right, well, we will obviously, you know, this will be a week-to-week, episode-to-episode -episode thing for us where we are still keeping track because there are still a good amount of names out there. I mean, for Bobby sure. Wagner is still out there defensively. That'd be one I'd love for the Lions to go grab. Why not? Didn't he sign with the Rams? Or is that not I, official? I don't know if that's official yet. I saw them looking and talking. I didn't see an official signing or announcement. I could he be wrong. Visited. You're right. He just visited. Yeah. So he's still out there. Just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make sure. You know. Brad Holmes, you know, I'm sure he could sneak into that Rams complex and snatch him away real quick. Bring him on board, Maybe his credentials still work. Just as long as he doesn't draft Malik at two. Anyways, <laughs> continue. But, yeah, so he's out there. Jadavian Clowney's still out there. Tyron Matthews still out there. There's some defensive studs that are still out there. Now, Matthews is a name that I would definitely be interested in Detroit. Clowney, not so much. Any Badger in Detroit? Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I would definitely, especially if we're trying to shore up that back end of the, the defense and we don't need to draft Kyle Hamilton at two because we signed Tyrone Matthew. Like, I would, de that would definitely be a name that I'd be like, please, please, please get to Detroit more so than anybody else you just listed. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Now you know. High on AJ's list Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, sure. come to Detroit. So that's all we got right now for football for you. Like I said, we'll be keeping track of that throughout the weeks coming because a lot more names still left to be signed. Yeah. So we got to go back to round ball now. <laughs> Different round <laughs> ball. Smaller round ball. Much more the better round ball. ball. The better round ball. So, AJ, I need to get your thoughts on this because the MLB has apparently made a bunch of new proposals to the players on sign stealing. Now, the first rule I saw was no scouting cards. You can't put them in your helmet, nothing like that, that you can use during an at-bat. Yeah, so... When I saw this, I honestly thought this was a practical joke at first. <laughs> because I was like, who's putting scouting cards in their helmet? But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, they do take off their helmet literally after every pitch. 
So now that makes sense. But I never like picked up on it. I never like thought twice about it, right? I just like you're adjusting your helmet, it's all good. But like, no, they're like looking and then putting it back on. So um how do I feel about it? Oh man, specifically. For this rule that, specifically, like you can't the have scouting card rule. Yeah, the scouting card rule. Yeah, no, I mean, look, let's if, if we're going to steal signs, as signs have been stolen throughout the history of baseball, right? I mean, there's stories of Hank Greenberg when they were in the 41 World Series with one of their guys who was hurt sitting in the bleachers with a like hunting scope and like <laughs> looking at the catcher signs and then like would hold up, like would put his hat on or take his hat off if it was a breaking <laughs> ball or a fastball kind of thing. And so like, it, it was crazy. Anyway, signs have been stolen for me though. The whole point of like stealing those signs is coming up with a system that is undetectable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For, for both sides, for the defense that's giving the sign and for the offense that's trying to steal the sign, let's come up with a system that doesn't clue people into the fact that we're stealing signs. Um, and why do you like the, for me, the scouting card is the weird one. Like, I just want to know how they keep it in there because you're, you know, you had sweating. That paper is not going to stay dry. So are you, you know, they're all laminated. Cards per- you know, they're all laminated. So you yeah. just, you have one per, you just know which picture you're grabbing the scouting card for, throw it in the helmet and, yeah, I'd almost guarantee I feel like that it. would distract me. Listen, I just one, I don't understand why, like the scouting card information on the helmet, why that would cut down on stealing signs, though. It was, I mean, these are again, these are you know, they're they, just they, from what I've seen, it's been three proposals. That was the first one, is that you know, you couldn't use anything like that. The second one was that no club employee could print or deliver information to the dugout during the game. It has to happen before the first pitch. So you can get information, but as soon as that first pitch happens, yeah, it's cut off. Yeah, I'm I'm more okay with that one, um, just because it it kind of cuts down on the potential of what the Astros were doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and really, what this is is listen, information is so streamlined. Do your homework, right? Do your homework. If you know, like. Who's starting that night? You print off his scouting report, leave it in the dugout. But then look at it when you're in the dugout. You don't need it up at the plate. Do your homework. Well, so Be a now, ball player. I mean, and, and this third one is one they've actually used in spring training, which right. is similar to what we've seen in football plenty of times with the head coach sure. talking to his quarterback, OC talking to his quarterback. You're going to have a mic system between the catcher and the pitcher where they can communicate that way on their pitches as opposed to, you know, their hand signals. Yeah, this one is actually one that I actually, like, it's weird because of, like, the technology that's involved, but I think it's pretty awesome. Like, and if you want to cut down on sign stealing, this is the way you do it. Um, according to MLB Trade Rumors, it's a, it's a technology called PitchCom that's being tested during spring training game, and the league is now offering that players can continue to use the system on a voluntary basis during the regular season. Um Basically, just an electronic wristband that has different pitches on it. The catcher taps that, you know, I want a two seam, right? And then in the pitcher's earpiece, it would say two seam, right? Mm-hmm. Or what? I, I mean, that's just a very basic baseline level of it. Um, but it's, I mean, you want to cut down on pitch stealing or sign stealing, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. 
And it's if it's working, great. Some pitchers may not like that. Some catchers may not like that. That's why I'm I'm appreciative that they're at least doing it on a voluntary basis. I think you should have you got a one you got one earpiece in and you've got a one way clicker that looks a lot like the umpire's tool for you know counting balls and strikes, but it's got four buttons on it. You know, it's got a fastball button, a curveball button, a, a slider button, you know, a sinker button, whatever. And you hit the button that you want, and it beeps a number of times according to that number on your little clicker. And it goes back and forth that way. And that because if you're sitting there talking, they're gonna, yeah, they're they're gonna, gonna read, hear someone's gonna hear, someone's gonna read lips, something. So yeah, that's a the this report from MLB Trade Rumor says it's a specialized wristband. So I don't think the catcher's holding a clicker. Mm-hmm. I think it's on an actual wristband. And I don't know, I haven't seen it. Like I haven't picked up on it on any of the um spring training games that I've watched. Um, but who knows? I mean could be a good evolution. I got I don't have any problem with it. I I love stealing signs the old fashioned way, personally, mm-hmm. right? I don't need a camera in center field. I want to watch a sequence and I want to see, you know, is the coach in the dugout given some kind of indicator and then mm-hmm. you know, following that sequence and being able to build that to help my team gain some kind of advantage. Um so I would love to see the old school stuff stay in, but it is what it is. And I think it's good. It could be good for the game. I just love that baseball has had a well-known cheating scandal for the history of baseball, but they were able to just sweep it under the rug and just call it gamesmanship this entire time. Well, it, I mean, it is though. It is gamesmanship. You're no, always, cheating. <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no, you're always looking to gain an advantage in any sport that you play. Right. Right. You got, you know, teammates and trying to get to the opposing team's huddle and listening to see what plays coming. But listen, the same thing happens in football. Mm-hmm. I scouted plenty of Texas high school football teams, and my sole job, because I was a baseball guy, was to sit in the press box and steal their signs. <laughs> so I would figure out who the offensive coordinator was, and I would write down the sign that he gave, and then I would write down the play that he did. Mm-hmm. And it, you're always looking. Listen, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. But at the to same time. Extent. To a certain huh? extent. <laughs> to, right, I know. But, to but I mean, there is, and I go back to what you just said, there is a certain extent. There is a gamesmanship that is involved, right? Um, you know, if I'm staying on second base and you're giving just one signal, yeah. you're asking me to steal you're that asking, sign. Exactly. I agree. And so I'm. if you just put down that one, that one finger for a fastball, then I'm going to yell at my uh, hitter, you know, Hey, so-and-so, you know, call out their name, name, fastball, number off speed, name, fastball, number off speed, right? Hey, you know, if you're only going to give one sign, you're asking for it to be stolen. So, yeah, <laughs> and it's all gamesmanship, man. That's all it is. Don't call it anything other than gamesmanship. It, it, it's the story of baseball. It's been a Except long time. Cameras that's, and trash cans and actual data and spreadsheets. Yeah. Like that's where it, that's where it crosses over. That, that's your line. Too. That's your line. Yeah, because you, you have and, to use technology. It's not okay. But this is what we also said, Matt. Like, I need the people that are involved in the game, that are on the roster, that are part of the team playing the gamesmanship. Right. Don't give me a hired hand to watch a video screen to figure out a sequence. Yeah. That's where I draw the line, personally. Okay. That's where I draw the line. 
Well, we'll see where the players draw the line because these have not been accepted. These are just proposals. But, you know, hopefully we'll see uh, see something happening because then we can stop hearing about this so much. <laughs> it is interesting they're still making these proposals after the CBA has been signed. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing new rules added before the regular season starts. Yeah. You know, when it first got done, there was no – I don't know why they're calling it a ghost man. I don't think they know what a ghost man was because that was a player that wasn't actually there that you could play no. ball with. You only have so many players on your team. Right. But yeah. there wasn't anybody starting on second, and then a week or two later, it was up. Oh, there is somebody starting on second. So you know we're getting closer to the season, and they're trying to get some things hammered out before they actually officially start the season. Right. So the uh, in the end, what actually makes it and what doesn't? Because they run out of time. <laughs> Season's right around the corner. We got about two weeks. Not even. Uh, yeah. Well, days. no, two full weeks. Well, not two full weeks. It's a week from Thursday, man. April seventh. Yeah. Same day. Uh, 10, 11 days. So it's going to be a great Thursday. Right Masters and, uh, so, Thursday and opening day. So not too many free agents were left to be signed. There's a couple of things we're still waiting down here. And Aaron Judge and the Yankees contract sides has not been – nothing's official yet. No numbers I've even heard yet. They're just predicting it to be high up there with all the other astronomical ones that we've seen. Uh, but one that did c- get through that we haven't discussed yet is, I think, a big one. And it's Trevor Story to the Boston Red Sox. A six-year, $140 million deal. He's a 28-year-old, but he's only spent his entire time in the league six years in Colorado. And there's there's a stigma with players who have spent their career in Colorado and when they go somewhere else, AJ. It's called the hangover effect, man. <laughs> it's called the hangover effect. Uh, you can actually read about it in uh, – I think – there's a book by a guy named Ryan Spader that looked at the careers of Todd Helton and Larry Walker, who have great and are Hall of Fame worthy players. But there was a little bit of a disparity, not as much as you would think, and not anything to be like, oh my gosh. But I mean, the hangover effect. Um, I mean, Larry yeah, Walker did pretty good to end his career in St. Louis. For sure. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not. It's not one of those situations that should detract. I, I think that where you play baseball is not something you can help unless you do sign there as a free agent, right? Right. Like those guys being drafted by, you know, the Rockies should not automatically disqualify them. From right. But it also being shouldn't surprise team, you right? that a shortstop signed by the Rockies is the fastest shortstop ever to reach 100 home runs. Should not. It should not. It should not surprise you. And that's what Trevor Story did put himself in the history books in Colorado, added his name to the top 10 in franchise history for homers, doubles, triples, and stolen bases. He was tied for 14th last year. He stole 20 bags. So really good shortstop. Going to the Boston Red Sox, who, correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, have a really good shortstop already. They do have a really good shortstop. However, they're getting a better defender in Trevor Story, who has agreed to move to second base because Bogart, Xander Bogart, is still on, you know, contract. And I think it was through the end of this year. I'm actually going to check that He's right now. He's got a player yeah. option. The, the, the contract itself runs through for the next few years. It does He's run through for the next year. At the end he, of this year. Yes, he does. That's what it is exactly what it is. And, you know, if you're Xander Bogart, you're kind of sitting here thinking like, I have been a very good player for the Boston Red Sox for a pretty long time. And a very good teammate. 
and a very good teammate. I mean, he's been in the league since 13. No, and yeah, he's been around and he's championed his around. teammates. He championed Trevor Story coming to the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shot away from cameras. He's he was out there talking about it, happy yep. about it, happy that's going to help the ball club win games. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem as if the Red Sox are too interested in maybe buying out that player option with an extension. Because if you're Xander Bogarts, right, and you have in 2021 have a five-war season and you hit 23 home runs and nearly 300 and you bat in 79, but you're a 30-war player over your career and you have produced well for the Boston Red Sox, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, don't you expect that team to kind of re-up? When, he's 29 when, years old, so he's yeah, not old. He's not old. And getting a four to five year extension worth however much money. So take him into his 36 season. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I'm going to call their bluff. And I'm going to say, listen, I've been a really good player. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt this year, right? Because if he gets hurt this year, then he's stuck on this contract. Right. Right. But if I'm putting all my eggs into this 2022 season and going to bet on myself and be like, you know, I've made a lot of noise over my career. I'm a really good player. And if you want to have me on your team next year, Boston Red Sox, then you're going to have to sign me to a different contract because I'm opting out. I'm using my player opt out. And hopefully he'll get that because, I mean, he's on a very team-friendly contract. It's only costing the Red Sox like 20 mil a year. Which is, it sounds like a lot, but it's... It sounds like a lot. But it, we've it, seen... I mean, when their overall payroll though, is, you know, much, much more than that. Um, so their overall payroll is 152. Uh, total payroll, 195 million. Only 20 million of that's Bogarts. Right, I mean, and they um, just agreed... The, the contract with Story is paying him more than 20 mil a year. He's getting 140 over six. Right. So, so I mean, I, 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 they're very similar players and they're not bad. Like it's going to be interesting to see how tra- story transitions to second base. And maybe they have a good thing going for a few. I mean, you're still, you still got JD Martinez on that team. You've got Rafael Devers on that team. They were in the it, world series two years ago. They're going to be a very, they're going to be a very good team, and they've added a very good player. Plus, well, Trevor Story's got that really short wall in left field. Man, I mean, Story, he's played second base. He talked about it a bunch coming up through the, right. you know, through high school and the minor league system minor and all league. that. He's played mm-hmm. second base. He's not uncomfortable playing second base. This isn't like asking him to play first. They never played first. This is him sliding over forty-five feet, mm-hmm. you know, and playing a position that he's played before. And if you have something a la a Jeter, A-Rod, shortstop third situation, but instead of shortstop second, and you get, you know, great production out of this, I don't see how the Red Sox don't try to sign both and convince Story to play second, even though it's not his natural position. And the Red Sox have been in dire need of one since Dustin Pedroia went down. Mm-hmm. It's really been a platoon system for the Red Sox yes, since man. Pedroia got hurt. But yeah. you've got two guys that can hit the ball, two guys with great defense, and one of these guys has been a fan favorite in Boston for years. He's been yeah, under the radar. 
He hasn't made a ton of noise. You know, Pedroia was that, you know, that little hype man captain when he was there. Obviously, Big Poppy was Big Poppy. You yes. know, Xander Bogart, like you said, been there for a while, since 2013. Mm-hmm. And he's just been steady Eddie. He has at been. a really high level. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a career um 290 hitter, 141 home runs just over 600 RBIs and I just but the knock on Bogarts is his defense I mean for his career he's a 0.5 defensive war player 0.5 so he's a half a run half a win of a replacement defensively because I'm looking at his numbers for fielding percentage and he's a 0.985 so how is he not doing that much on defense while doing that much on defense well because I mean you're you're that that fielding percentage is one of those old stats, right? That okay. doesn't get as much credit as you know. Did you make the play or did you not make the play? Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I mean, fielding percentage can also be pretty subjective sometimes. Did the ball hit your glove? Did you, you know, did the official scorekeeper count it as a hit when it should have been an error? You know, so that can be subjective. Whereas WAR is going to take into account a lot more factors. Um, so I just, I, I like fielding percentage still. Cause I want to know if a guy can make a play when the ball's hit mm-hmm. to him, but I'm also going to look at, you know, deeper analytics and Bogart's being a 0.5 war over his career defensive war. I should, let me clarify. He's a 0.5 defensive war, but almost a 30 war overall, right? Defensive and offensive combined tells you maybe a little bit of the hesitation like he wants to stay at shortstop but maybe he's not cut out for shortstop maybe he should be the one that should have transitioned to second base because story over his career is a 10.6 defensive war so that's a big they, difference that is a big difference <laughs> right 10.1 defensive war is pretty significant yeah so i mean it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out i just know that the Red Sox just got a, a lot better than they already were, and they were already a pretty good team. Yep, and it just adds to the drama, you know, of the AL East, which is always good for drama. <laughs> it's always good for drama, but I don't know if the Yankees know really what they're doing anymore. I think they're losing it a little bit, man. Well, I don't, I you know, I don't know if I throw the Red Sox in that mix, considering they did just win a World Series a little bit ago. They've won quite a few since the turn of the century, and. They've made some pretty good roster moves throughout the years, I think, overall. And while changing, you know, different GMs mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout throughout this run of World Series, there's been a few different GMs that have been up there at Yawkey Way. Yeah, there have been. I mean, um, the curse breaker himself, Theo Epstein, right? That's where he started. That's where he started. And then the Cubs were like, hey, we want some of that magic. And then Dombrowski went there after he left the Tigers. Yep, our boy. Now so, they're with good old boy Bloom. So, well, yeah, I mean, we got 11 days, 11 days till first pitch, opening season, opening day. Cannot wait. Cannot get here fast enough. We should already be playing baseball, actually. Uh, it should have been starting, I think, this weekend. Yeah, it's too soon. It's too cold up north still. You're right. I You're agree. I'm glad or just listen, wait a little bit until you want to start the season. Listen, I am not mad that baseball starting in April and hopefully ending 
by the end of October because that's exactly how it should be. Yep. Just pushing it up into March and stretching it into November is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, AJ, we're on the course on this one. Yes, sir. So thank you all for sticking with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you can find us. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, full apps on YouTube. He's AJ Riley. I'm Matt Basson. Thank you for hanging out with us and straight shooting. And we'll see you guys again real soon.